It was the game football fans had anticipated for weeks. Two powerhouses were set to meet in Atlanta. The crown for Southern football supremacy awaited the winner. The University of Alabama Crimson Tide was undefeated, led by a salty defense that had allowed only seven points through the first eight games of the year. Their opponent, the University of Georgia Bulldogs. Georgia, too, was undefeated and had crushed the Florida Gators the week before by a score of 56 to nothing. You're listening to Celery City Stories, the podcast for curious people that explores the incredible history of Sanford and Seminole County, Florida, they didn't teach in school. I'm your host, Dan Ping. My favorite time of year has finally arrived. It's football time in Florida, y'all. So why am I telling a story about a football game featuring Alabama and Georgia? Considering Alabama and Georgia played for both the SEC and national championships this last year, I know Florida football fans are tired of these two teams. I promise there's a Sanford connection to this game that occurred on November 20th, 1920. Let me tell you about it. Alabama won the coin toss and elected to receive the ball. On the second offensive play of the game, Bama's running back fumbled. Georgia's Paige Bennett scooped up the loose ball and dashed 45 yards for a touchdown. 7-0 Bulldogs. The Crimson Tide could not muster any forward progress on their next offensive possession and chose to punt. As Bama's JT O'Connor caught the snap from center, Georgia's Hugh Welchel crashed to the Crimson Tide line, blocked the punt, and recovered the ball for a touchdown. Five minutes into the game, Georgia led 14 to nothing and had yet to run a single offensive play, but the boys from Bama refused to buckle. The Crimson Tide scored a touchdown in the second quarter and another one in the third. The game had begun with an explosion of points, but had turned into a defensive battle by the fourth. Late in the game, Alabama drove deep into Georgia territory. The Bulldog defense stiffened their necks and stuffed Bama on three consecutive plays. Faced with a fourth down inside Georgia's 20-yard line, Alabama elected to have O'Connor kick the chip shot field goal to take the lead with time running out. Although his first punt in the game was blocked, Georgia knew that O'Connor was their nemesis. The year before, O'Connor had kicked a much longer field goal to beat the Bulldogs. The Georgia faithful held their breath in anticipation. Alabama center Tram Session snapped the ball. Again, it's Wetzel. He blasts through the Bama line, leaps high into the air. The pigskin bounces off his chest and begins to roll toward a bulldog defender. George's Buck Cleaves recovers the loose ball and sprints 83 yards for a touchdown. Bulldogs win. Bulldogs win. Bulldogs win. <laughs> Those listeners who know me you understand just how it pains me to say that last phrase. 
I graduated from the University of Alabama, so I'm still a little salty after last year's championship game. Regardless, the 1920 game between Alabama and Georgia was a classic game for a couple of reasons. It was the first year the University of Georgia had an official mascot, the Bulldogs. Prior to that, Georgia didn't have an official mascot. The school's first year of football in 1892, they were the Georgia Goats. After that, the team was mainly known as the Red and Black. They were also known as the Varsities or the Athenians after where the school is located in Athens, Georgia. The other reason the game was notable was the performance of Hugh Wetchell. That's the Sanford connection. Wetchell's two block kicks in the Alabama game were crucial to the Bulldogs winning. The second one that resulted in the winning touchdown is ranked fourth in Patrick Garbin's book, The 50 Greatest Plays in Georgia Bulldogs Football History. Garbin also notes that Wetchell would ultimately block 19 kicks during his career at Georgia. Wetzel was born in Lumpkin County in northeast Georgia. After graduating from the University of Georgia, he moved to Sanford in 1925. According to his obituary in the April 25, 1968 issue of the Sanford Herald, Wetzel coached the Seminole High School football team in 1926 and 27. Red Barber, the subject of last week's Celery City story, was one of the better players on Wetzel's 1926 team. The quarterback of those teams was Jim Spencer. Longtime Sanford residents will remember Jim Spencer's, which was a very popular restaurant in town during the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. I guarantee there will be two or three Celery City stories that feature Jim Spencer and his family. For all of his accomplishments on the gridiron, Hugh Wetzel spent most of his time as a successful farmer here in Sanford. When the State Farmer's Market opened in 1930 at French Avenue and Historic Goldsboro Avenue, Mr. Wetchell was the second person to set up a stall in the facility. Harold Castor, whose family has deep farming roots here in Sanford, was the first one to do so. I don't think many people today know what a big economic engine the State Farmer's Market was in Sanford for a long time. I probably need to do a story on the market at some point. Hugh would never really stop farming, but from 1950 to 1954, he operated the Mayfair Country Club. He also worked for Chasing Company for a few years and was the fertilizer inspector for the state of Florida Department of Agriculture. I don't have much more information about Hugh Wetchell. If we have listeners out there that do have some information, I'd love to hear from you. I thought his story and his accomplishments were a great way to kick off the football season. So thanks for indulging me. Hey, I've got a couple of listener shout-outs. Christina Haar left a five-star review. Christina, I hope I'm saying your name correctly. Thank you for leaving that review. It's extra nice considering Christina doesn't live in Sanford, but she's planning to move here soon. Super duper shout outs to these fine folks who bought me a cup of coffee. Christina Haar, in addition to leaving a five-star review, also bought me five cups of coffee. Thank you, Christina. When you do move to Sanford, or if you're in town preparing for your move, please let me know. I will buy you an actual cup of coffee or a craft beer or cocktail, your choice, to welcome you to Sanford. Also, I want to say thank you to Keith. He bought five cups of coffee. David Pratt bought 10 cups of coffee, and Joanne bought a cup of coffee. 
Thank you so much for supporting the show. Each cup of coffee is a donation that keeps Celery City Stories online. If you like these stories and you want me to keep telling them every week, please buy a cup of coffee. Go to my website, CelerySitystories.com. In the upper right-hand corner, there's a yellow button that says, Buy Me a Coffee. Click that button, follow the links, and you can buy a cup of coffee. You can buy one cup, two cups, ten cups, twenty cups, whatever you like. I'll give you a shout-out on a future show, as well as put your name on the Fans of the Show page. I'll put the Buy a Cup of Coffee link in the show notes as well. I hope you enjoyed this short Celery City story to kick off the football season. And I know for certain, they didn't teach that story about Alabama and Georgia football in Sanford schools, now did they?